The High Red Marketer podcast is sponsored by the Zemi app, enabling colleges and universities to engage interested students before they even apply. You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, a podcast geared towards marketing professionals in higher education. This show will tackle all sorts of questions related to student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. I'm Troy Singer, along with Bart Kaler. Today, we have a wonderful conversation with Stephanie Geyer. She currently serves as the Director of Digital Strategy and Innovation in the Office of Marketing and Communications at the University of Montana, but also she has years of experience as a consultant for RNL. Today, we get a wonderful lesson on data-driven marketing from someone who's been there and someone who has taught it for many years. Yeah, Stephanie, uh, Stephanie's wonderful conversation. She actually was a little bit of the, uh, the beginnings of the RNL e-expectations report, which a lot of our listeners will recognize and, and have uh, read many times over the last several years. So she talks a little bit about the history of that and, and the importance of what that has done for traditional higher ed marketing and understanding, especially digital media and how students are consuming you know, web and texting and, and email and things like that. So really a great conversation there. And uh, she just brings so much uh, energy to the conversation and, and wit and wisdom. And so it's, it's a great, uh, it's a great lesson. So I encourage you to stick around. Not to mention there is a special appearance from her dog, Lucy. That's right. <laughs> that adds, that adds to the episode. Here is Stephanie Geyer. It's our pleasure to welcome Stephanie Geyer, who is currently the Director of Digital Strategy and Innovation in the Office of Marketing and Communications at the University of Montana to the Higher Ed Marketer podcast. And we are so grateful to have Stephanie with us because not only does she work now on the EDU side of the fence, she comes with a lot of experience of the other side of the fence. And we're going to try to get as much information and guidance as we can from her, from her years of experience. So thank you for joining us, Stephanie. We are so happy to have you. Troy, this is the best meeting I've had all day. (laughs) I'm really happy to be here too. I must say conversations with Stephanie are so warm, so lovely and very entertaining. And I'm excited, (laughs) a little bit nervous to know what's in store for this episode. So, Stephanie, just tell us a little bit about your background. I know that your journey through higher ed is, has kind of uh, been in a lot of different places, and you've spent a lot of time at RNL. And I kind of want to talk the first little bit about that because I think that what you did during your time at RNL is very interesting, and a lot of people might recognize it. So, just tell us a little bit about where where you are today, what your role is today, and then tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, thank you. I. I'm having such a good time. It's a delight to share this with you. I'm currently at the University of Montana, except that I'm not. I'm in Colorado, where I've lived for the past 25 years, thanks to uh, taking on my role at RNL many years ago. So I started in higher ed at a small private university in Pennsylvania, where I'm from, but I've been on the other side of the Mississippi for a really long time. 
And I started in marketing and was a client of then Noel Levitz and had a great experience. Just, I, I was just on campus a couple of weeks ago and I was doing this deep thinking exercise with my team. And I was drawing on conversations that I had with Charlie Hutchins, who was a fabled higher ed consultant for many years, and things that Charlie taught me in 1994 that are still right and true and valuable to new professionals who are coming in and trying to trying to learn how to market to prospective students. So um, certainly the tactics, the, the actual channels that we have to use are really different, but the foundational pieces are still holding me up and, and I think serving a larger group as well. That's great. And I know that you, um, you know, your time there at University of Montana, you've, you've been there for a while now, um, and you've had a lot of great experiences. I, I think when we talked earlier, just the idea of, you know, kind of re-experiencing that, that uh, you know, engagement with students and, and some of the other things that have been going on uh, with, with maybe even some of our other podcast guests. Uh, right. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. I was um, hanging on campus with Alex Boylan from the college tour. And we were really happy to have him back to celebrate the premiere of our episode for the University of Montana. And I know Alex was with you all, and, and he's just so sweet and charming and, and funny. And, boy, he has the best stories. Like, you definitely <laughs> want to take him out for a drink and, and just name maybe name a country and see what he has to say about it because he's been there. Um, I love that. Yeah, right out of the gate. I started um, in April of last year, and I was handed two really fantastic projects. One of them was the college tour episode, um, and the other was a U-Visit virtual tour. And it was a lot. It was a lot to do right out of the gate for someone who didn't know her way around campus didn't have any bank of students that I knew. I had to really dig in with my team, get to know the campus really quickly. And I uh, had a first time experience that is really surprising given 31 years doing this. I finally got the keys to the golf cart. <laughs> and I didn't put it in the Clark fork. I didn't, I didn't run any, run over any students, uh, but that, that was a great moment. And I think the wonderful outcome of it is that that experience, walking campus, walking up to the M, or maybe driving up to the top and walking down, yeah, um, <laughs> helped me kind of more deeply connect with the institution mm -hmm. than if I just spent all of my days visiting campus, sitting in conference rooms, talking. It was great. Isn't that funny? You probably had a little bit more of the perspective of the student where I hear so many college campuses say, boy, if we can get them on campus for the tour, we can really sell them then. And yeah. you got to experience that. Yeah. Got to meet a lot of wonderful people. We were shooting in Doug Emlin's lab with rhinoceros beetles and got to visit with him and, you know, shared a copy of his book with me. Was fantastic. I just thought, wow, I couldn't have, I couldn't have stumbled into this any other way. That's great. That's great to hear. Part of your 
experience that you had at RNL was having a big contribution to the e expectations report, which is widely known throughout the higher ed community. If you would kind of share what that input is and what that, excuse me, what it was and your experience, and now that you're on the other side of the fence, what similar reports, how you will utilize that for the betterment of the university? It was probably one of the most transformational opportunities I experienced while I was working for RNL. We were sitting around conference table, as one does, and um, <laughs> I was one of the younger consultants as part of Noel Levitt's then RNL. And so folks would turn to me and say, okay, what are these kids doing with the web <laughs> these days? And, and this was back in 2005. Yeah. And, you know, I had some ideas. I, I'd been doing a little bit of research myself. And we decided that we needed to create our own study. And this is something that I loved growing up in, in the Noel Levitt's kind of lineage of RNL is that we were given the opportunity, encouraged to do research to benefit our, our client partners. And so with that ethos, that information leadership kind of mindset, the idea of coming up with a research study um, was quickly pushed through leadership and off we went. And, and the early study um, was, was very charming because we were asking questions like, would it be okay if a college or a university that you were interested in sent you an email? <laughs> <laughs> um, and and maybe a few years after that, you know, questions about, hey, what do you think of MySpace? Would this be a place where a college or a university might connect with you? So um, really a different landscape, but the the real joy of the experience was coming up with the study each year and bringing it to our community, our tribe, and, you know, doing that through our own national conference or a, a wide variety of other events that I was given the opportunity to stand up and say, Hey, here's a really ugly PowerPoint with the biggest amount of data that you can fit into a single panel. Let's talk about it. Yeah, data. <laughs> yeah. And Lucy thinks that's very exciting as well. Data. <laughs> data for God. Anyway, so that was so much fun. Not, not the standing and, and talking about percentages, but the conversations that I had with people standing on stage standing with them in line, getting coffee and having them ask me about, well, what about this particular thing or giving me great question ideas? Yeah. Um, people I have to, I have to just say that it was so valuable to me over the course of my career. I've, I've been, my first college website was in 1998 and, uh, you know, I, I had done my first website, business website in 1994. I was, I was a, a young pup right out of, out of college. And, uh, I told my boss at the time, Hey, maybe this website thing has some legs and marketers should be doing it. And he told, he assured me it was a fad and that it wasn't going anywhere. And then he sold a website. And so I got to do one. Well, my alma mater called me up and said, Hey, we think this might be something that schools ought to do. Um, this was, and, and so they did it. Chronicle wrote an article about it. Uh, the U 
U.S. News and World Report wrote an article. And so we started doing a lot of websites as, in addition to work that we'd done with Motorola, RCA, and a lot of consumer brands. And so I was always fascinated. And, and you know, your comment about, you know, 2004, 2005, you know, starting to ask those questions. I remember doing a presentation at a school, um, at a university about uh, Facebook, you know, about this new web 2.0, the idea that, you know, Facebook's going to go public this, this fall. What does that mean? What's that going to mean from, you know, and I even have the slides I was showing somebody the other day, the PowerPoint from, I had screen captures of MySpace and what that was all about trying to explain that to people, but it's fascinating how far it's gone. And I remember, I remember 11 years ago when I started Kaler Solutions, I was working on a project and uh, the, the, at a university, we're working on their website. And I remember the marketer was in his, the, the VP of marketing was in his office and he said, oh, everybody come in here. I've got the webinar up for RNL. They're presenting the, the, you know, e-expectations report. And so we sit around, you know, there was like f f six of us all gathered around this one monitor watching this. And so it's, it's been so valuable because I remember trying to tell people, no, students are going to be on the web. Students are on the web. You need to understand that. Trust me on that. And what I think the e-expectations did was it really put the data and the facts behind it. And it really made digital marketing something that higher ed marketers had to really understand. And not so much the higher ed marketers, but more the administration. Mm -hmm. um, to your point, you know, being, being a young consultant and being asked, what do these kids think about this? Well, you might have some ideas, but to actually have the data has made such a big difference. It, it really did. And it was a great lesson and reminder in the fundamentals of web development, which is it's all about the user and you are not the user. <laughs> That's you know, right. Take yourself out of it and, and listen and watch. And, you know, through the, the actual delivery work I was doing initially with RNL, and then later on managing, having the opportunity to do just really simple user testing exercises, things like that fueled a lot of the evolution of that particular study. Um, I'm tickled that so many other fantastic companies have picked up the mantle. I'm particularly enamored with uh, Simpson Scarborough lately mm -hmm. for some really fantastic research and, and deep thinking about our organizational structures. I have a few drums to beat on that particular topic, and I love that they're providing some data to help us frame our conversations and, like e-expectations, to use the results to share with the rest of the campus community to get behind movement and growth. Yeah, I think it's so important. We we spoke to a another um, school recently on a podcast about the idea of of you know international recruiting and using you know these app you know these these messaging apps WhatsApp and and Telegram and some that we may, may have never heard of. But I think it, technology and digital marketing and and marketing in general is so fluid especially in today's culture, in today's world. I mean, you know, I, I, in my presentations, I always make a note that says, you know, um, it's an Alvin Toffler quote that says the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, 
unlearn and relearn. Mm -hmm. And the whole point is, and I, I try to tell people, I said, I might tell you something about social media or websites or digital marketing in the next 10 minutes that this time next year, I might come back to you and say, don't do that anymore. That's not what we need to do. And it's, that's just the way everything is. And I think, you know, the, the reports, the data, like e expectations is so critical these days to be able to have that kind of data. So we're just, we're making wise decisions. Yeah, I, I loved having it to share with the community. I loved what I could learn from it in my own practice and leadership of a team that was developing and implementing strategies. Uh, really a gift. And, and again, I'm glad others are picking up the mantle and, and continuing to give. And now that I've got that lovely .edu email address, <laughs> all that's that cool stuff. <laughs> Again, that's great. That's there you go. That's great. Well, speaking of uh, .edu and and websites and things like that, I know that you are uh, you're participating in some leadership with the EDU Web Summit. So tell us a little bit about that and and uh, and and what what that's going to be like this year. I mean, it's been a few years since conferences have been happening. It's it's going to be really different and big in, I mean, profound. It, it started with a conversation with the, the folks that have um, owned EDU Web for years and have been great friends to me. I did a lot of e-expectations presentations on their stages and have always been really grateful for that platform. Um, a really great collection of, I think, kind of mid and upper level marketing leaders, IT, web dev, some um, advancement and development folks in there too. So just the, the folks I wanted to share my information with now, thinking about them as a community and having the opportunity to really rethink what it means to attend a conference. And Shelly and Rich did some fantastic research the last year that they were we were in person in 2019 and learned that the thing that the participants, our attendees, value the most is that connection, that time at the coffee kiosk or that time, you know, sitting around having chicken dinner before the next speaker comes up, um, that connection with a speaker or a panel after the fact, you know, sure enough, the presentation's fabulous, especially that data one, but the time to connect. And so I took that to heart. I also had uh, come to Jesus with myself about how I have been attending conferences for the past 31 years. And I'm going to be super honest with you. I'm awful. I am an awful conference attendee. Terrible, <laughs> terrible. Um, you know, I'm a flipperty gibbet. I don't sit well. If I'm not standing and presenting, I need to be walking around in the back of the room or not proud of this, but it's true. Sitting in the back multitasking. Mm -hmm. And I, I understand my reasons why, and they are not acceptable, but they are mine. And <laughs> I thought, what can I do? What can we do? And the first thing I thought about was experience that I had with RNL and helping um, shape tracks for their national conference, which is a much different affair. Huge, fifteen hundred people. Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. Lots of people, different interests. And I thought about that call for proposal experience and reading through all of those and finding some nuggets of really interesting opportunities, and then some duds, maybe. 
right? Mm-hmm. Or God forbid, sales calls, like, oh, this is a sales pitch. Um, yeah. And I thought, well, how can I reshape it? And Rich and Shelley just said, go, go do the thing. And the thing I decided to do was to curate a faculty and um, reach out into our tribe, our people, and say, who, who has some new ideas? Who has a fresh perspective? Who's doing something interesting? Who has a voice that needs to be heard? And I found a, an amazing collection of people that are coming and like the, the real gift of this new approach is that I said a few words like, hey, we may or may not have podiums. We may or may not have stages. You may or may not use PowerPoint, or you might decide that for part of your session, you want everybody to stand in a circle and sing a song. I don't know. But <laughs> what I want you to focus on as a faculty are solving the problems that we're all grappling with and coming up with meaningful solutions and in the absence of actual solutions, deeper questions. What's the next question? Okay, we're trying to fix this thing. Is this really the problem we're trying to solve? KPI and performance measurement, team management, developing leadership in teams that may not be together in person anymore Mm. are some of the topics that are bubbling up to the surface. And so I, I kind of tar- started to spin this idea out with some, some near friends, some, some pals that I, I knew I could trust to kind of get the vision. And they did. And they, they said, more, keep going. And so this event is giving people an opportunity to be in a room and be a part of what the conversation topic is and contribute in meaningful ways. And we understand not everyone who comes to a conference wants to be in the spotlight. I totally get that. In spite of me being me, I am sometimes that person. I am sometimes an introvert. I know that's surprising, but it's true. And I don't <laughs> always want to be. I don't always want to be. I want to have the opportunity to listen and consider and maybe have a, a quieter conversation later. There's room for everybody in this mm-hmm. model. We're giving people... Although we didn't do a call for pro- proposals, we have this really funky kind of palate cleanser part of the conference. I call it the basil sorbet. <laughs> <laughs> the basil sorbet is called Give Me a Minute, and you, you need only go and submit an idea to me, and it will be thoughtfully considered. And I might push back and help you shape it a little bit more but come up with an idea of how to spend 20 minutes. And it doesn't have to be solving a problem. It could be 20 minutes of Shavasana and, and, and chanting Om together for 20 minutes. That sounds lovely in the context of this big, intense thing that we're creating. Could be a sing-along, could be a silent disco, or it could be, you know, uh, some kind of demonstration of a cool thing that you did. Or, hey, I learned to crochet this summer. Let me show you how to crochet. That's not true. You can't crochet. <laughs> For me. But anyway, so you kind of get the gist, I think. The other component that is different and interesting, I take from the work I've been doing in, in recruitment marketing for all these years, which is, man, it's really smart to retain the students that you recruit. And so what if we work to retain the community that we build in this, in this space mm-hmm. in Philadelphia in July? 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. <laughs> and so we've got this beyond the summit component where we're adding platforms and resources for people to sustain connection, check in with each other, have a little accountability. Hey, did That's you great. do that thing that you thought would solve your problem? How'd it go? Share with the rest of us. I'm as excited about that as I am actually getting to and through the event in Philly. I think that piece is going to be wonderful. That's very, very exciting. And I, I'm, I've got it on my calendar. I'm going to try to see if I can make it, but I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm just fascinated with the, with the uh, format that you're looking at. And then also just, you know, looking at the website and with the, with the, um, faculty that you have, uh, several of them I recognize and know whether podcast guests in the past, Jenny or Jamie Hunt and, uh, Matt up at Purdue. I, I know him. And then uh, I think we're going to be talking to Jenny pretty soon as well. So it's just, a just an exciting group of folks. So I would encourage everyone to go to the website if they haven't seen that yet. And what is that website? Oh yeah. It's edusummit.com. And, uh, we've been having a really good time making these explainer videos They're cute little 30 second animated, hey, we're doing something different. You might need need a little more information. Watch this thing and and hopefully it helps set the tone and vibe for what we're going for. Thank you for sharing. We talk a lot about it on the show. Schools are really struggling today to make the same ad spend work. CPMs are up 89% year over year on Facebook and Instagram. Our college clients are no longer looking for rented audiences. They're looking for an own community where they can engage students even before they apply. This is why Zemi has become so crucial for our clients. With over 1 million students, close to 10,000 five-star ratings, consistently ranked as one of the top social apps, and recently one of Apple's hot apps of the week, there simply isn't anything out there like it, and we have seen it all. Zemi not only provides the best space for student engagement, but the most unique and actionable data for their 160 college and university partners. We know firsthand from our clients that Zemi is a must-have strategy for Gen Z. Check them out now at colleges.zemi.com. That's colleges.zeemee.com. And yes, tell them Bart and Troy sent you. We wind every episode up by asking our guests if there's an idea or a thought that they could share that could be immediately impactful to our listeners. Would you have a thought or idea that you could share as we wind up our episode? You bet. I, I was giving this some thought and I was reflecting on an experience I just had on campus just a few weeks ago. I had been on campus a few weeks before that to celebrate our, our um, attainment of Research One status at the University of Montana. And so there were parties and there was the college tour premiere and Alex and all these things to do. And we have some really big projects coming. And so I needed to get back because I needed to use some research resources that I had in hand and some process stuff that I wanted to talk through with the team about all the different markets that we serve. And so I said, hey, I'm going to be back in two weeks and we're going to have a whole bunch of meetings and they're going to be long and intense. And I'm sorry, but that's how it's going. And so my advice is this, um, make time with your team for deep thinking and do it justice right on whatever you need to write on and do something with those notes immediately afterwards, but give people a chance to really tune in on a concept or problem 
an opportunity and just everything's okay. Like just get it all out there. Let it be swirly. Here's another bit of advice related to that. If it happens to be March and you're wondering if maybe you should feed these people, always a good idea. You definitely should go to McDonald's and get a shamrock shake or let's say 15 of them and as many chicken nuggets as you can carry. And you will have very willing, happy participants in your deep <laughs> exercise. That is the secret, the big secret. Thank you, Stephanie, for sharing it with us. <laughs> My pleasure. S Stephanie, in case you didn't share other secrets or for those that were inspired by our conversation today, what would be the best way someone could reach out and connect with you? You betcha. There are, there are many ways, um, certainly just looking for me. I think Bart, you and I are connected. Troy, I hope you and I are connected on LinkedIn for sure. Twitter is at Steph Geyer, which is super simple. And, um, there are so many email opportunities. I'll, I'll make this simple as well. Stephanie at stephaniegeyer.com. Hopefully that's easy enough, um, is a great way through email. I welcome the opportunity to talk with anybody that has questions. It's something that the pandemic took away from us to a large degree. And it's another piece that makes me so excited to get to Philly and, and be with people and hang out and be smart and be silly. Um, but you don't have to wait until July. Stephanie, thank you very much for being such a wonderful guest. We appreciate not only your wisdom, but your warmth. Thank you, Troy. I can't wait to come back. Let's plan it. <laughs> Sounds good. Let, let's do. Bart, what thoughts would you have as we close the show? I think a couple things that kind of bubble up that I want to make sure everybody takes away. Um, certainly, don't miss the opportunity that we've talked about with, you know, connecting on campus. Uh, Stephanie kind of talked at the very beginning about falling back in love with, with students and with campus and, and with just all that goes on to make a college campus. Don't take that for granted. Um, get out and actually, you know, spend some time with students. I know that uh, several of our guests, I remember a conversation, Troy, with Mary Barr, how she said every, every year at orientation, she spends time sitting down with the new students and the families and learning why they chose and why they're excited to be at Ball State University. And so that's, that's some research that you can do that uh, just takes a little bit of time and maybe a couple shamrock shakes and, a, and, uh, and some chicken nuggets. But I think that doing that type... And then and also kind of the deeper dive in some of the data, the research focus groups like what we just discussed, but also just looking at these different resources. There's a lot of different companies that are putting together research, a lot of organizations that are doing that. Start doing a little bit of your own homework and starting to, to digest some of that and get to know your prospects, um, whether you're working with traditional undergrad, which a lot of the e-expectations reports have historically been about, or if you're looking at more non-traditional adult students and, and graduate students, take the time to actually learn what they are. I, sometimes I talk about, you know, the watering holes that they hang out at and, and, and kind of, you know, you need to know who your prospects are and, and get to know them intimately through personas and different things like that. And then finally, I would just kind of echo a lot of what Stephanie talked about with the uh, conference coming up. Now that pan the pandemic's over or nearly over, we pray, conferences are coming back up. It's a great opportunity for professional development. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already tuned into professional development. And uh, I would just encourage you to look at things like the eWeb Summit and others that are going to be coming up here in this summer and into the fall and next spring 
it's a great opportunity to network and uh, we have to do all this together. Uh, I don't think anybody can do as, as Brian Kenny from Harvard said on our episode 50 marketing, higher education is probably one of the hardest marketing jobs you can have. And so we need each other. And uh, I, this has been a great episode. So thank you, Stephanie. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity to, to connect with you guys. You're doing great things for our tribe. I appreciate that. Thanks. Thank you. The Higher Ed Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency, and by Think Patented, a marketing execution company bringing personalization and customization to your marketing outreach. On behalf of my co-host, Bart Kaler, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.